Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to another WNBL season and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. We're going to be having a look at the first two games of the Gliders Paralympics campaign and a bit of a preview of their upcoming two games. Joining me again, Jana Misens and also Darren Alley. Jana, Darren, how are you doing? Great, Paul. It's nice to have a chat, talk about the Gliders and how the first couple games gone. Yeah, I'm good, mate. That's good. It's been a... Um, I got to say, those first two games were really interesting from my point of view. Learned a lot, got some questions that came out of it as well, but also from the point of view of the performance of the uh, of the team. Given they are a young team and they haven't had a lot of time together, they stitched together some really impressive runs of play. Yeah, I'd have to say that first um, half with Japan was great to see them out there playing and sticking with them, offensively and defensively. Yeah, I agree with Dana there. Defensively, Japan were outstanding and they really put the clamps on us in the second half, which made it really hard to score for us. You know, they were very quick and agile and every shot we had to take was a tough shot and we didn't do that to them. Yeah. The first half I thought of the Japan game was fantastic. But before we get into that, i got a couple of questions. Now, the first one and... Obviously, it just didn't come into my head as part of our first podcast is traveling. I saw a couple of travel calls and I really looked at it. And for the life of me, I couldn't quite figure out what's the definition of travel. Yeah, that's a great question. And I I thought about that last time we talked too, that I didn't get into (laughs) detail. And those two calls were on the gliders. I remember it was on Hannah at the baseline in Georgia half court. So technically traveling in um, wheelchair basketball, you can double dribble. Once you start dribbling and stop, you can start again. And your travel call, it's two pushes on the wheel. So you technically have the ball in one hand and it's pushes on the wheel. So you technically don't have to go anywhere and can travel. So you can push your chair forward. You watch around trying to read where your teammates coming. You push your wheel backwards, look around, defense happens again. And if you don't dribble, you shift your wheel one more time, that's going to be the travel. So I think what happened on when Hannah got the travel on the baseline, she came through the bottom of the key. She pushed twice, was going to go up for like the hook pass, but then defense was there. So she pushed one more time um, without dribbling the basketball. So it's that just three touches of your wheel is what gives a travel. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so every t- So you've got to dribble after you touch your wheel twice. Okay. That makes sense. And the other one was fouling. I mean, fouling really, really confused me. Again, one of the examples that I was looking at was one of the players had the ball and everybody was around blocking them, right? And I kind of got that. But then the foul was called and I couldn't quite tell why. Yeah. So there in wheelchair basketball you have the fouls in terms of your hands and you can understand the hand fouls and you know you hit somebody's arm but it's also taking that next level of where your chair is and if you get a chair position and are you pushing the if the defender's pushing the chair maybe from behind or they might back up on the offensive player and push their chair backwards so you might have some pushing 
um, so that the offense play is rolling. You might get some foot plates in the side that can, you know, also create that foul. So the refs are looking, in addition to the hand checks, they're looking down at the chairs and seeing if anyone's pushing the chair out of the way. Right. So in those really clogged up, it's going to be the, some of those chair fouls pushing the foot plates into the, the big wheels or backing into them and getting into their cylinder, into their space um, are going to be the fouls that you'll need to see. But, you know, in some games, as coaches, you scratch your head and as athletes and you go, okay, that must have been what they saw. I didn't see it. I'll just get on with the play. Some stuff you're not going to figure out why the ref blew with the whistle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unfortunately, you just got to roll with it. <laughs> That's that's pretty common across all games, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, so look, let's get into the to that first game against Japan. Statistically, we let ourselves down on field goals, free throws were low, but I think the big one was the turnovers. But that being said, the numbers aren't everything. And as we said even before we started recording, the first half was actually some pretty impressive play by the gliders. Definitely. I think the um, the first half, we probably didn't go very deep in the bench. Um, and so when the, I think we were tired that second half, you know, and some of that's understanding. I think the other thing with the, with the first half is that, you know, like I said, first game, you know, nerves and excitement, those things come into play. We had a couple of early fouls on a, a Shelley, I think it was, and we've got to rotate people in at, at different stages and, I think we it took us a, a while to really figure out what we were doing defensively. Once we figured that out, we started to get some good stops. When, when we get stops, we're able to get out in transition a lot easier because it's a turnover or a loose ball off a rebound. We were able to, to leak out before Japan could get set because once Japan got set and got wheel contact with us, whether it be after they scored it, they were really tough to get by. They locked us down. And that's where kind of, you know, the old expression is your defense leads to your offense. If you watch the game, that's when we look better. We look better when we pressure a shot, it's a miss, and we can look we can look to bust out without Japan getting set and locking wheels up. I gotta say one of the things that it, that did impress me with the game was when we were getting the ball out, the speed that we were getting down the court really, it seemed to me, and I'm no expert, it seemed to me like we're getting down the court faster than the Japanese seem to typically be getting up the court. But more importantly, uh, we were taking opportunities to take shots while on the move. And yes, some of them rimmed out, but the ones that did work, there was nobody around to defend. Yeah, we got a lot of shot ups. You know, where the team collectively took a lot of good shots. Now that shooting percentage was a bit low, but those shots were there for us to shoot. Um, and I think that was really highlighted in to jump to the, the next game, that third quarter versus um, Germany. And it was a transition. That's one thing in wheelchair basketball, you get out nice and wide, you cross the whole width of the court back and forth going up. And that's where you're going to get the passes. That's where you're going to um, make the defense have to keep switching, figure out where they're going to go on. And then you're going to get the easy bucket close to the basket. And that's what we saw when the uh, gliders are able to get up and get out um, and to move collectively up the court. That's where the bucket's going to be easy at the other end. And when, when Jana talks about crossing, it's having a player on the right-hand side of the floor 
going right across the middle of the floor, right to the other side, so they can, like so like Jenna said, force the other team to switch or to clip a defender so the ball handler can come off their back or a, a cutter can come off their back and get into space. As you'll notice in some of the games, when people are watching the game, you'll see sometimes we cross in a very small area, so in the middle third of the court, and we don't get much width. And Jana talks about crossing with width. It means we need to get wide and cross each other to give more space for people to get through gaps. Um, it's more when you want to attack. You want to create space. You want to be far, and then you want to consume that space. Create the space, read the defense, what they're doing, and then consume it. Everyone talks about balance and spacing. If you're all pushed together and want a little space, that's where it's hard for anybody to get moving. So create that space, and then you attack again. Okay. Again, you know, as someone who's got a lot to learn about the game, one of the other things that really surprised me was the ability of the players to change directions so quickly. And also, I was really surprised by how close to the baseline they could get, get under the basket and still make an attempt at a shot in traffic. Are these sort of moves that are typically done in wheelchair basketball? Well, becoming one with your chair... And understanding, uh, I guess, from the, the high pointers, how do you move your trunk to get your speed? And how do you, to stop your chair, getting your shoulders behind your axle so you stop immediately while defense flies by? Or how do you, those first two pushes are the most important pushes in wheelchair basketball because that's how you're going to get ahead of anybody is going to be those first two power pushes. Now, during training in wheelchair basketball, you're constantly working on the chair skills. You're constantly working on doing little V-cut quickly doing your move, but how quickly you can get um, your hands. If you consider the wheel to be a face clock, your hands start at 12 o'clock and you push down to two. And then they go back up to 12, push down to two. Now, the quicker you can get your hands from two o'clock back up to 12 so you can push the chair again is going to be light and day between those that are agile out there and able to get in those tight spaces and move and to stop their opponent or to make the basket. So it's working on those chair skills with your hand movement on your wheels. Which okay. traditionally you may see differently. If you watch, say, wheelchair track, it may be very different. You'll see them push from 12 all the way down to three or even lower sometimes, whereas because you need to get your hands back quick and you need to change direction, that's why you need to do that, those short, sharp pushes. And you'll notice the difference in certain players in our team, like Shelly Cronow and Amber and that. They're very sharp and short and they're very agile in their chairs um, and some, some push a little bit longer. The Japanese, to their credit, they're very agile in their chairs and very quick up and down the floor. One of the areas where I thought we got let down again in the, in the Japan game was the number of shots that just rimmed out. They were all doable shots. And I'm guessing that that really came from we got to settle into our game, into our team. So I think in a lot of cases, the missed shot percentages, while... It doesn't look great. I think it would have been a lot of the shots that didn't make it were 50-50 whether they should have dropped or not. Yeah, and sometimes that's um, you think about being your first international competition or your first Paralympics, you know, those rims feel tight, you know, and how do you just get that ball in there? How do you make sure you leave that follow throughout there forever to make sure you switch to using the backboard to make sure it goes in? You know, those little things that go in, Okay, I'm going to make sure everything's right. You know, trying to do those little fine detail and switching your mind and honing into that, I think is a skill as you go to the games and again and again, 
to really go, I'm carrying this. I'm going to do it for my teammates. I'm making sure that goes in there. So we have to remember that we've had two athletes, 10 our first game. And to really um, drive that, you know, Amber's playing fantastic, making that happen. Some of that's just her experience of saying, I'm going to make this happen. And I think it's all about the the preparation to put your your chair in the right position to give you the right angle to make. So even with some of the layups that we missed, it's like we, we're either too low and can't use the backboard or we're too far under the rim so we can't make a good play at it. It's all that all that timing and those little things that you had to iron out in the first game that we probably didn't do as, as well as we've done in the past. Like Janice said earlier, we took some fantastic shots. If you look at the shot chart, we're getting the shots where we want them. We just didn't knock them down. And when you cough the ball up 24 times and turn the ball over, that's going to hurt you if you're not getting enough shot attempts up. Japan had 11 more shot attempts than us, and that's all because of the amount of turnovers we had. So it's tough to win a game when you don't get as many shots as the other team. I'm just going to move into the the Germany game. Again, the turnovers really hurt us. I mean, Germany made 20 points from turnovers. But I I think overall the performance of the team against Germany, to my view, was an improvement against Japan. And also, given the, the quality of play that Germany has, to me anyway, it was a visible improvement in play by the team and that's got to bode well for the future. Yep, agree with you. I thought the Germany game was way better. I thought our defensive energy was a lot higher. And we played with a bit of confidence. People were being more more aggressive. It wasn't just our higher pointers taking the shots. Our mids and our lows were all being aggressive, looking for their shot, trying to get their chair in the right position. And it showed on the scoreboard. You know, We had more contribution from everyone rather than just one or two. There were a lot of attempts made at shots that looked to be higher percentage shots in this Germany game than there were in the Japan game. It it was like there was a little bit more time taken, a little bit more prep and thought going into the shot rather than just let's get it up there and hope that it's going to get in. Yeah, and you can see that that our shooting percentage went up. You know, we probably took 10 less shots in the Germany game, but we got a higher percentage. Um, so you're right. We had more time. We were able to settle and not rush the shot when I was in, you know, inside the key and that kind of, you know, we got a last night's game out of the way resets and good on them. I mean, they had such little time for recovery and to quickly get into the game and put that beside them and go out there and have a fantastic game and improve and about being a young team. It's every quarter. How are we improving? What, what are we doing? What are our controllables that we can do? And they did that and they should be applauded and it's great. I think one of the keys to that too was that Amber got into foul trouble early, which was a big hole scoring-wise, and those other players had to step up and be aggressive. Georgia did a great job, but also, you know, Vinny chipped in and got a couple. Hannah, Hannah Dodd chipped in and and was more aggressive and, and made some plays. And that was a really, really good sign for them. And then in the third quarter, the run we made in the third quarter, where we actually won that quarter, was fantastic. Our defense was, you know, outstanding and offensively, and that made us be able to get out and get some cheapies, uh, which is ideally what we want to get. We, we look so much better when we're in transition. Yeah, it was noticeably different from the, the Japan game. But the other thing that I was really quite impressed with was the ability of the, of the team to not only get the ball down the court, but the way they were moving the ball around. It seemed to be a lot freer in terms of ball movement than there was in the, in that first Japan game. 
Yeah, and there's some great shots off of that ball movement, you know, at the top of the key or ball reversal to the other side. Um, I know Vinny had a good shot there. I think Bree had one as well. That offside moving the ball around and everyone being a threat uh, was more visible in today's game compared to Japan. Okay, so looking forward at the, at the upcoming two games, after a rest day, we've got Great Britain and Canada. Talk us through what you think the team needs to do over those two games. GP has um, lost against Japan and Canada, so they're looking for their first win the same as us. You know, So we're, we're even up with that pursuit. I think the big thing for gliders, it's again, for this whole tournament, is about playing their game. You know, understanding what worked in the third quarter today, what worked in the first half of Japan, putting those together. It's about that transition, getting the ball out. Everyone is a contributor on offense and defense. And then on shooting the ball, ball handling, and then on defense is stopping the chairs. GB has a couple threats, and it's playing those wheel position um, and stopping the chairs and keeping them out of the key to disrupt them. Are a couple points that we've been talking about, Darren. Yeah, and I, I agree that we have to make GB shoot over a chair. So we've got to give up no points in transition, no second chance points, no fast break points, and they've got to play in the quarter court over us. And I think that's the key. If we can make GB do that, we're going to be in really good shape because the only thing that's hurting us at the moment is how many easy shots we're letting teams have on us. And if we can lock that down, I think we're going to be in really good shape. And and to be honest, like you said, this looks like the game it's going to come down to if we can if we can fight to get a quarterfinal spot. Because if we can knock off GB and, and then GB drops to the others, well, we put ourselves in a spot to make the quarters. So it's, it, this is the one. Just going to the point that you made um, about shooting over the chairs, one of the things I noticed in today's game, seemed there was a lot more emphasis on getting taller players in front of the Germans before they took their shot to try and disrupt their attempt. Again, to me, it seems that the the bigger players really have more of an impact heading out towards the towards the arc than they do on the inside. Just to talk to that a little bit is that the talls or the high pointers are looking for the mismatch. They're waiting for a low pointer who's low in their chair to switch out on them because then their chances of their shot's not going to get challenged. One of the aims for us is to ensure that our bigs stay with their bigs as much as possible, and that's not going to happen all the time. But when that happens, it eliminates that mismatch. What you'll find is that everyone's trying to look for that mismatch opportunity. As soon as there's a low switch onto a onto a high or a tall, that, that's what they want because they, the shot can't get challenged, and it's going to be a lot easier shot to take. Janet, do you want to add to that? Would it be interesting for us, and, and this is watching, what happens on that offside? You know, how does that? How are our bigs attacking on that offside when they don't have the ball? Uh, what was great to see in today's game, uh, say Amber, she wasn't holding the ball. She didn't have to bring the ball up as much as previously because other people are able to handle the ball, bring it up. And so then Amber was able to attack without the ball and a fantastic job she did today against Germany, getting the ball inside. So allowing um, and making those shots, it's getting the transition of um, our bigs moving around without the ball working with the lows. GB has two main threats. They have the Williams, who's a two and a half, and Conroy, who's number 14. So it's getting the bigs on bigs. They have four or five big pointers, so they'll be able to run through their fours and bigs. A little versus us, we have our Amber and Cookie and Jess. And against Japan, Jess hurt her back, so she had very limited minutes. 
Um, she was doing much better in our second game, and now she'll have another rest. But we have three bigs that we have to rotate, which is different on the GB time. So it's making sure that we are most effective with our bigs and allowing um, Bree and Nat Alexander, Shelly, that they are going to have mismatches. And so a mismatch versus a big and a little doesn't become a mismatch until they're inside the key. Really? So if we can keep their bigs outside of the key and further from the hoop, they can be strong and Shelly and Bree can easily match up on those bigs. And that's where the foul trouble that we really need to watch our silly fouls with our high pointers because we've only got three of them and Bree, Bree had to come on and she did a fantastic job. She had to defend someone above her height. It makes it hard because if they get a deep catch inside the key, it's tough to challenge that shot. So it's really important what Janet said earlier. Got to keep them out of the paint. And Canada. Canada's been playing really well. Who do we need to look out for in the Canada game and, and what are the sort of things that the gliders need to do in terms of trying to keep up with Canada as they go through the game? They've got a very strong high pointer and her name's Kathleen Dadano. I don't know how to pronounce it. She's strong and she had 32 points in their game against Great Britain. She was 13 to 24 from the field. You know, she had 20 rebounds, 11 assists. So she had a triple-double and she's strong. You know, I think she played all 40 minutes. I think she came off. So for us, wow. they've got a midpointer who had uh, 18, you know, Rosalie Lalonde. She was super efficient. You know, she was 7-10 seven, seven to 10 from the field and she was 6-7 or seven from the three-throw line and she just gets it done. If t- people go and double-team on Kathleen or Caddy, I think on the live stats they had her name as Caddy, so that must be a nickname. But if they double-team her, like, we've just got to make sure we t- we just can't disrespect anyone. we just got to make sure we, we play good Team D, make them shoot over a chair because when they shoot over a chair, we rebound better because we're in position and then we can get out and flow into transition. Yeah, I so think yeah. For, with Canada, it, right, Kathleen, um, it was a big on big. She has the ball a lot of time up the court. She has a good arm. So if anybody leaks out or does a fast break, she has the arm to throw that, you know. So it's making sure we pressure. If they get a rebound, we need to have early pressure on it to disrupt that kind of pass. And then it's making sure we get back on defense and, and push them out from the hoop. But it is, it's it's really pressuring her. And you're right, the class three, Roselli, and really making their littles or other people that are weaker threats, making them shoot the ball. And I think that's important, Jana. You know, we talk about what we have is a, a threat rating. Uh, so we look at the other team that we're playing and we go, well, who's the most dangerous to the least dangerous? And say, all right, we need to make sure that we take the ball out of these people aren't shooting the ball and we give their lower threats and make them win the game for them. So that'll be the key. So we're virtually saying, can we eliminate that Kathleen Danadu, the number 13 for Canada? And can their low pointers score 20 points or 15 points? Or can four of them score 10 points? And that's the gamble you take. So it sounds like in terms of Canada, there's two players specifically that we really need to look at trying to shut down or at least slow down as much as possible. And if we do that, then we've got a we've got an opportunity to try and keep the game close rather than get into a situation where there's a big break and then we have to play catch up ball. Yeah. And it's really about controlling what we can control. You know, it's our offensively getting wide, playing together as a team. You know, and then just having smart defensive, good chair position and stopping their chair, stopping the momentum on defense and creating that momentum on offense. 
I think we match up better against these next two teams a little bit. The key will be, one, fatigue. Although Great Britain, we've got a break, which is great. So we'll be coming in with to them fresh, which will be good because, like I said, we've got lower numbers in the high and we've had some foul trouble and it'll give everyone a chance now to, to come in fresh from that one. And with Canada, like I said, their stars haven't come off the floor much. They're big point scorers. They're playing 40 minutes a game. And if they're going to do that for four games straight, it'll be interesting to see where they are at the end of the week, the end of the four days. And can we go with them? Yeah, and really put pressure. So that'll be a test. That's interesting. I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that, but if they are having players go, you know, start to finish on the game without a break, when we get to their fourth game, they must be tired. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a tough ask. And when you think about what teams have gone through with COVID and their preparation is going to be nowhere near, like your game preparation, you can do as much strength and conditioning and, and endurance and cardio as you want, but there's nothing like playing high-energy basketball where you're having to work for 40 minutes and be able to make decisions when you're tired. That's the key. That's very true. When you're tired, trying to make those those snap decisions, it could be the difference between adding a few extra points to the gap or not. So it'll be interesting to see how those games go. I know you're going to hate me for, for saying this, but predictions? Uh, I think the ball's in our court. It's just how far are we going to grow from one game to the next? You know, uh, it's putting those pieces, putting those blocks together that we, we showed in the Japan game and then again in the Germany game and keep growing from it. I know this team, they're hungry and they want to grow and they're trusting the journey. And so putting that together, I think, you know, it's those teams that, you know, you practice the, in the games and the first couple of times, oh, you're not even close. You're not even close. And then sometimes you match up, you match up and then you start winning and winning. We're kind of at that part that we're ready to catch them. So I guess it's that part of believing in ourselves and putting it together. And if we can hold on to that and harness coming together and doing the little things that we know that we can do, anything's possible. I agree with Jana, and we're a confidence team. So the problem is that we haven't got going in the first quarter. If we can get off to a good first quarter, you watch the difference. And we even had problems with that early in our scrimmages, in our pre-scrimmages, Jana, didn't we? So we couldn't get off to a good start. Like we always had a great third quarter. If we can get off to a good and knock some shots down early and get rolling, you watch this group because when they get their confidence up and they play with a smile and they get going, they can do some great stuff. I'm excited to see what the, for the Great Britain game because I think we match up better with Great Britain. I think Japan were too quick for us and they got up the floor. We don't like that as much, whereas I think Great Britain will suit us just with the matchups they have. Okay. Well, I'll be looking forward to, to watching those games because I've got to be honest, what I have seen so far has just been really great basketball to watch. The fact that I now understand more about the sport has really helped because I can watch it and I've kind of got better idea of what's happening. Jana, Darren, thanks so much for your time. Really looking forward to watching these two games and catching up with you afterwards. But i got to say, so far, I think it's been a great campaign by the team. Yeah, I think it's just stringing it, bringing those, the building blocks that we are um, displaying out there and it's just building those more and more. Each game, it's get better. And we haven't taken a step back, so that's excellent. And as coaches, I know, you know, Friday, Campbell and Sarah, they will be loved because we're getting better each game. We're not going backwards. We're making adjustments and we're getting better. And any coach will be enjoying that to see that. And if we can do the same thing with Great Britain, 
and with Canada rowing forward, well, then we're going to put ourselves in a good spot. Great. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Looking forward to speaking to you in just a couple of days. Excellent. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Go Gliders. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.